Hi, and welcome to Weird Science Podcast, the psychology podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Emily. And today we're talking about... Schizophrenia. Yeah. This will be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Mine's probably going to be long. I'm sorry. In advance. As long as it's interesting, then you don't realize it's long. Fair. Because, um, I mean, I'm basically going to give the, the Psych 101 version of schizophrenia, so uh, that'll probably be a little bit boring. Yeah, we'll see. Unfortunately. Okay. Uh, so some of my sources include uh, the Mayo Clinic, the NIH website, NAMI, uh, Mental Health UK, and a, uh, I don't know if it be in English, Barcelona Clinic, or still Clinic Barcelona. It was, the title was in Spanish. So just to give uh, kind of a, the, the definition of schizophrenia. Um, so it is considered a serious mental illness in which people interpret reality abnormally. Schizophrenia may result in some combination of hallucinations, delusions, and extremely disordered thinking and behavior that impairs daily functioning and can be disabling. So it does require lifelong treatment, although uh, early intervention may help us get symptoms under control and improve lifelong outlook. So the best thing is, is just catch this as early as you can. So um, uh, I saw some mixed results with the, um, I always forget like prevalence versus the other one. Prevalence? Prevalence versus what? How do you say it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> prevalent shit okay cool i don't know how to say anything i've only ever read the word that's okay i, I shouldn't make fun of you because what's <laughs> that one quote by that one guy who's like probably problematic about like you should never mock a man for pronouncing a word incorrectly because it means he learned it while reading i know i have no idea i think idea. it's a mark twain quote oh anyway oh mark twain's problematic Yes. Well, I Every mean, southern white man <laughs> from that well, era I mean, is likely problematic. Well, yeah, I mean, in the uh, in I, this time period. Okay, I didn't, never okay. mind. We're not going to get into that. Just <laughs> keep going. Um, so it was, so the pre- uh, prevalence of it is estimated to be uh, 0.25 to 0.64% of U.S. adults. So uh, I'm going to cover symptoms. There is a wide range of them. Uh, they cover problems going from like your cognition, your thinking, to behavior, to emotions, and in order to get diagnosed, they must be present uh, in the context of reduced function for at least six months. So they do have to affect you, and you have to have it for at least six months. Mm-hmm. So the first is uh, probably kind of the common one for schizophrenia people think about is delusions. Uh, so you know they are false beliefs that are not based in reality. Uh, also, mm-hmm. hallucinations is a pretty popularly thought one were the three men who were all convinced they were jesus christ like schizophrenic probably oh, i wish i looked into that god damn it oh well there were like these three guys that were all convinced they were jesus christ and then so the doctors were like well if we bring them in a room together they'll figure out that they're not jesus christ because you know they'll all be there together and be like oh i see we all think we're jesus christ so Probably none of us are, but when they actually went in the room all together, they were all like, you're not the Jesus Christ. I'm Jesus yeah, I'm Christ. Jesus I'm Christ. the real Jesus yeah. Christ, you know? Yeah. yeah, so that's what happens when you try to apply, like... Logic. Fun, like, to... your fully, you know, normal, healthy brain to a brain like that is just... You, yeah, you can't 
logic does not transfer. I mean, that's also true for children. Talking yeah. to children. Yeah. Trying to logic with... No, I know. it's not going to work. Stop trying. Like, <laughs> you're going to have to get on their level a bit. Yeah. Um, so the next really commonly thought one is hallucinations. So these usually involve seeing or hearing things that don't exist. Um, for the person with schizophrenia, though, of course, they have that full force and impact of a normal experience. Uh, hallucinations can be in any of the senses, but hearing uh, voices is actually the most common hallucination. Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard usually it's like people talking to each other is usually one that's kind of heard. Um, like not talking to the person who's hearing it, but kind of like two voices are just talking to each other? Yeah, so okay. think in the sense that someone who's like a paranoid schizophrenic who like they'll think they're hearing maybe like government people like talking know, like, to each other about them. Hats. Yes. Yeah, no, I think... Um, like one of the common misconceptions of schizophrenia is that it's like a voice telling you what to like, you have to kill everyone a lot. Right. Like that's just, they don't yeah. really talk to you I think sometimes. Like, so my mom, you know, she's a pharmacist. She used to work in a psych ward in a hospital mm -hmm. as like the pharmacist there. And she said there was one lady who said like, she just heard appliances talking to her, but they're always really nice and friendly. And she didn't like taking, that. she didn't like taking her medicine. Cause she's like, well, now the ceiling fan doesn't talk to me anymore. Yeah. Because she was very sad about it. So. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things with mental illnesses, right, is that if it doesn't, like, impede your function of life. Right. But, I mean, I also know that schizophrenia, which I'm sure you will discuss, um, has a lot of negative symptoms, like depression. Yep. And so when she took her meds, she was probably also just generally depressed. But I think yeah. it did make her sad because of that, Yeah, too. that was the one positive thing she had, and they took it away from her. Yeah. Um. So... Another one is disorganized thinking um, or speech. So basically effective communication can be impaired. Uh, they can maybe, um, like, if they answer questions, they only partially answer it or it just will be completely unrelated. Mm -hmm. uh, but also what they'll, maybe what they'll say won't make any sense. Uh, they call it word salad, which right. is a fun phrase for a very terrible thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then also extremely disorganized or abnormal motor behavior. So this can show numerous ways, they say, from childlike silliness to unpredictable agitation. Uh, since behavior isn't focused on a goal, it can be hard for them to do tasks. They can be resistant to instructions, inappropriate, or do bizarre posture. Uh, there can be a complete lack of response or just completely excessive movement. So mm -hmm. A whole bunch of a lot or a whole bunch of nothing. Right, it's a spectrum. Yeah. And then, uh, like you had mentioned, like the negative behaviors, mm -hmm. uh, they may neglect personal hygiene or appear to have like lack of emotion. They don't make eye contact. Right. They don't change their expressions. They speak in a monotone. They may lose interest in everyday activities. They may withdraw socially and do lack the ability to experience uh, pleasure. So, um, there are categories of behaviors, like the one I just mentioned was like the negative symptoms. That's one of them mm -hmm. talking about like the flat affect, which was like that reduction emotion. Do you emotion. go into like medication at all? Um, I remember I thought about it, okay, talking about the so, types of medications and then I right. realized I didn't do it like just now as we're talking. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, I just wanted to kind of interject, um, about like negative symptoms mm -hmm. while we're on that topic is that there has not currently been a treatment for those negative symptoms no. and regular antidepressants don't work. So many people um, who have schizophrenia choose not to be on their medication because 
yeah, they don't have their psychosis anymore, but now they're very depressed. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to, um, cause I think that that's a misconception of like, oh, schizophrenics don't want to take their meds because they're just crazy. It's like, no, it makes them very depressed. And they, cause they're, they no longer have, I mean, psychosis, but they're still just very sad. So yeah, um, that can be like a big factor into why many schizophrenics don't mm -hmm. take their medicines. Yeah. I think some of the newer medications affect some of the yeah. negative behavior symptoms now, but like the older stuff was, it just right. focused on like the, um, other things. Psych um, the psychotic about. symptoms. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I did, you know, I took a, um, a neuro disease course where we talked about it a little bit and they were saying like the research is more positive for getting a um you know a medicine that can treat those symptoms yeah. but yeah it's still kind of like in the works yeah yeah well it's just because i mean with mental illnesses and drugs we're like we don't know why this affects what it does and why right. it works so it's like shooting just shooting in the dark um yep. so the other category is uh like the positive symptoms which would be the psychotic behaviors um those are the hallucinations delusions the thought disorders like your dysfunctional ways of thinking and the movement disorders and then finally uh, I think this category is actually kind of came out with a new DSM was the cognitive symptoms. Uh, these can range from being very subtle or to very severe. So this includes poor executive function, so meaning they can't understand info or use it to make decisions. They may have trouble focusing or paying attention, and they also have problems with working memory. So you can, they can learn something and then they mm -hmm. cannot immediately apply it. Right. So uh, symptoms do vary in type and severity over time. They do have periods of worsening, and there are also periods of remission, and some of them may always be present. So uh, schizophrenia usually shows up in men in their early to mid-20s, and for women in their late 20s, overall, the age of diagnosis is 16 to 30. It is unusual to have it in children, though not unheard of. Mm -hmm. um, and people over 45, it is pretty rare to be diagnosed with it. So... I had originally thought there were only a couple of types of different schizophrenia. There's actually a lot more yeah, than it's I a, thought. It's a pretty big spectrum. Yeah. I only went over the uh, the bigger ones because the other ones were all were basically like... More minute. And yeah. probably just inserted because like there are so many people that don't fall neatly into one category. Mm -hmm. But they're like, well, there's some sort of schizophrenic, so yeah. let's put a label on there, it. There was one that it was like you had schizophrenia before and now you've had like some of the like lesser symptoms like right. you weren't having hallucinations and delusions but maybe the you, negative symptoms you had some or... of the negative symptoms some of the cognitive ones right. or like you were sub threshold for everything and uh, yeah so yeah. i i was like you just made more categories <laughs> yeah. for fun pretty much at that point so the first one is probably the one most people are familiar with is the paranoid schizophrenic mm -hmm. so yeah this is what you, when people tinfoil hats yes yeah. tinfoil hats <laughs> Um, it is the most common type, so it, I guess it's not crazy that people, uh, this is the one they think about most often. Mm -hmm. So this is the one with your delusions and or hallucinations. Speech and emotions are generally not affected, but they are the ones who think that the police are watching them, the government's coming after them, wearing tinfoil hats. Yeah, I think like Dale Gribble from King of the Hill, but like a little bit worse. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my brain went to Futurama with oh, the yeah. people with the tin yes. hat. Because you said tinfoil hat, and yeah. I just... <laughs> But um, that was a real thing in that episode. Yeah, I know. And I don't think I've seen as much King of the Hill as you have. No, I love I'm like, King of the Hill. <laughs> anyway, 
Right. Dale Gribble isn't schizophrenic, yeah. but he do, does have the paranoid, like, the government's after me. Like, yeah. You know, okay. yeah. Anyway. yeah. Don't Not to be confused with conspiracists, right. conspiracy right. people. Right. Um, uh, okay, the next one is disorganized schizophrenia, which is also apparently called a hebephrenic schizophrenia. Oh, I, I saw that, and I was like, I don't know what that means. I, but, yeah, I'd no. never seen that word before, and I was like... Wait, what? so what is hebephrenic? It is the disorganized schizophrenia. Oh, uh, okay. It's the same one, and I was like... they. I found this one on the UK website, so I was like, yeah, maybe that's maybe what the UK a... uses. But then I saw it on a different one, and I was yeah. like... I saw it in the NIM study that I okay. found. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe that's the difference. NIM is UK, and I is US. I don't know. I don't know I either. Um, so this usually develops... No, I don't oh, think no? so, because this was a United States oh, okay. Case. No, never mind. Whatever yeah. I said goes out the door. This is just a word that, for some reason, they did not introduce to us in school. Right. <laughs> Um, so usually this develops ages 15 to 25. The symptoms include disorganized behaviors and thoughts with short-term delusions and hallucinations. Speech patterns are disorganized as well. This often comes with the flat affect, um, and there can be even inappropriate emotional responses. There are examples like crying at a funeral. Or sorry, crying at a funeral. That's laughing at a laughing funeral. At a funeral. Right, right. Crying at a birthday. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, the next one is the one I've always thought was the most interesting was the catatonic schizophrenia. Mm. That one, like seeing videos of it is just weird and kind of creep, kind of creepy. Just that. A, so uh, basically this one is very rare, but it is characterized by unusual, limited and sudden movements. These people can go from being very active to very still talking is limited and they may mimic others speech and movement so it's okay a... i'm really sorry and these people need to be treated yeah. and handled appropriately with the proper care but that sounds fucking terrifying yeah <laughs> i would not know that sounds like a horror movie a little bit which is <laughs> probably why it's so easy to demonize schizophrenia because right. I mean... some of this stuff like around these people it is kind of terrifying because they right. have really lost touch with reality in a lot of parts mm-hmm. of it but yeah like just, yeah, I I've seen like I think I would just like if I was a nurse on that side ward, I have to I'd have to watch out for that guy, you know. <laughs> okay, Joe, I I know you're here. I know. Please don't move too sad. Okay, you move suddenly. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we're done. We're done. I'm fine. I'm fine. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, it definitely does sound like something out of a horror film that yeah. they might just go from being like completely. Still. They are like completely still, like yeah, mannequin statues. sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly they're just gonna like what bolt across the room like what, yeah. What's the Doctor Who thing? Oh, the Weeping Angels. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those, those actually. Not I I shouldn't I shouldn't carry on the stigmatism against schizophrenics yeah. and relating them to horror stories, but yeah. Anyway. But I will say the Weeping Angels are legitimately one of the things, and like they have a lot of monster villains that are just kind of funny, and like those ones actually legitimately freak me the fuck out. <laughs> yes. Like, not schizophrenics. You, yeah. No. No. Angels. Weeping angels. angels. What do you mean it moves when you can't look at it? Oh fuck that. But anyways, yeah. and then the uh, last one I'm covering is the undifferentiated schizophrenia. So this is, I call it, it's the grab bag of symptoms, if you will, mm. where uh, diagnosis may, you may have some signs of the above types, but they do not, like you don't, like the person who's di- being diagnosed, they don't really cleanly fit into one category or another, but they obviously have schizophrenia. They just have, like I said, like a grab bag of symptoms. Right. Someone just went, no, you're going to get hallucinations and flat affect and hell, we'll throw in some uh, jerky movements as well. So we're going to give you all three. So... Uh, schizophrenia is actually pretty hard to diagnose in teens, which may be why, you know, it's not till the 20s that diagnosis actually comes because 
diagnosis and onset are not the same thing. Um, and this is because with teens, a lot of the symptoms that you'll see with them is actually just kind of common for the age group. Yeah, that's what I've heard is that, um, cause my mom, you know, mm-hmm. when she used to work at that psych unit, she's like, they got like maybe one or two teenage boys. It was almost always boys cause they were a little easier to tell. Yeah. And, um, it was, they had the most successful treatments. Yes, yeah, early intervention. Right. Yeah. But that it was really hard to tell if they had it or not and they mm-hmm. had to be supervised a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. So, because, uh, so some of the symptoms with a teen who's being diagnosed with schizophrenia is you'll th- see things like change of friends, drop in grades, sleep problems, irritability, aka your 15 year old daughter. Right. Um, but other symptoms do include unusual thoughts and suspicions, withdrawing from others, isolating oneself in a family history of psychosis. And this stage is known as the pro- prodromal period. And it's watching and clean himself. Um, And, I mean, diagnosis in general is just hard for schizophrenia. So some drugs can also cause schizophrenic-type symptoms like Mm -hmm. LSD, meth, what the two, or methamphetamines. Uh, And also, people don't often go to therapy in this case because they have the symptoms. Um, Like you mentioned, like, some people don't take the drugs because it just leaves them with the negative symptoms Mm -hmm. but also um a lot of people with schizophrenia especially probably the more common paranoid schizophrenic you can tell them all you want that no the government's not watching you but they're not like they don't believe you you're part of the government yeah you're not they're not in this realm of reality anymore so um a lot of people don't believe the diagnosis when they are diagnosed Mm -hmm. so lack of awareness is a common symptom as well so it can be really hard for someone to seek initial treatment So, in order to be diagnosed, you must have two or more of the following symptoms occurring, like I said, consistently, and it also has to reduce your function, which is just a big thing, mental illnesses, longer period of time Mm -hmm. affects your life. So, it's either delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, the disorganized or catatonic behavior, or the negative symptoms. You Mm -hmm. have to have at least two. So, uh, causes are not well known, though they see it to be a combination of genetics, that's why the family psychosis plays a role. Uh, brain chemistry, mm-hmm. uh, I talked about like neurotransmitters, dopamine and glutamate are believed to be right now the most involved. I've heard that. Yeah. And then there's also like the environmental contributions as well. Yeah. We're, um, I kind of go into that in my segments. So. Oh, do you? Yeah. Cool. Just a little. All right. So, uh, the biggest risk factors are of course a family history of schizophrenia. Woo for me. Oh yeah, um, um, you're fine. You're already in your twenties. I know, like It'd I'm. Show up by now. I know there'd be something, right? <laughs> no, it's okay. I got other things instead. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, pregnancy, like, and birth complications. So this is obviously for the infant, not the mom. Mm-hmm. Um. So mal- malnutrition or exposure to toxins or viruses that would otherwise impact brain development. Um. And I also now have a fun list of complications that are related to untreated schizophrenia Mm -hmm. so of course is the first is suicide be it um, attempts or just thoughts of suicide uh, anxiety disorders and OCD depression abuse of alcohol or other drugs Uh, I found out that nicotine is actually very highly used among schizophrenics like Mm -hmm. they have an increased use of cigarettes Um, and nicotine is a cognitive enhancer so it's um there you go it reverses depressive symptoms so they probably are self-medicating that makes sense okay uh the inability to work or attend school financial problems and homelessness 
social isolation, health and medical problems. Uh, they are often the victim, so they are being victimized. Um, and there is aggressive behaviors, though I do want to point out that it is incredibly uncommon. Right. It's no more common than the normal population. Yeah. They're just, um, like, you're not, yeah, they don't overly represent prison populations or anything. And the thing that is said about people with mental illnesses is they are more of a danger to themselves than to others. Right. They are more likely to cause their own harm. Mm -hmm. um, so treatments for this uh, include antipsychotics, as was mentioned, um, psychosocial treatments to provide coping skills, and something um, I hadn't actually heard before called coordinated special care, uh, okay. CSC. So what this does is it integrates medication, psychosocial therapies, case management, family involvement, and support education and environmental uh, environmental employment services. Hmm. Um, so basically a nice, good, um, holistic treatment. Yeah, sounds wonderful, honestly, yeah. for any sort of mental disorder yeah. or illness. And so, um, like, one thing I had remembered from learning about um, schizophrenia, and I had to, like, look it up so I had a source for it, and was mm -hmm. just like, let me tell you what I remember. Yeah. Uh, it's known as, uh, so schizophrenia has what is known as the rule of thirds, Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah so, vaguely. Mm -hmm. mm, the back of my mind is being tingled. So one third of patients will have about a single psychotic episode in their lifetime, and these mm -hmm. people will generally make a full recovery. As it was described to me, as like you, one third of people with schizophrenia, it doesn't really affect their lives, or they get treated and they're fine after that. So. Uh, another third will experience different psychotic episodes. Uh, they will recede without causing serious deterioration. And this, it will preserve psychosocial functioning, but it like, it's sort of, basically it's like you have the symptoms and they are present throughout your life, but they're not terribly debilitating. Mm -hmm. And then finally, unfortunately, there is a final third that will have continual psychotic symptoms and they will suffer notable deterioration in functional capacity. And the thing about the rule of thirds with schizophrenia is no one knows why exactly. And this is kind of crazy because one of the studies that I did, mm -hmm. it's a study of four siblings, and they literally are broken up into that. Like really? Exact, like That's... one of them was lifelong, uh -huh. two of them were like, meh, kind yeah. of okay, in and out, and the other one was like, mostly functional one and, and kind of like moved on yeah. yeah see that's it's uh, that's that's actually pretty interesting that it's uh, four siblings because you would think right. they'd have relatively the same levels because they're related well we'll but, get into that yeah yeah. yeah but yeah the thing is they don't know why it's broken up like mm -hmm. that um so actually so the factors of a good prognosis so I, I actually did cover that so one is being female high five me mm -hmm. um okay so maybe it is just more common against guys i remember my mom mentioning that Maybe. Yeah. I I didn't look up statistics for the breakdown on gender lines, um, but essentially, if you're female, you're likely to have a better prognosis. Mm. I have no idea why. Uh, late onset, interesting enough, so it happens later in your life. Mm -hmm. no, having uh, no family back room, uh, back room, background of affective disorders. I'm going to roll today with pronunciation. Yep. So no depression, no bipolar disorder, acute onset coinciding with a stressful life event, uh, the absence of neurostructural alterations, so like brain stuff, mm -hmm. uh, a good response to medication, a stable pace of life with Sorry, no substance was, abuse. What? That was funny to me. You're more likely to get better if your medicine works. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I like, kind of figured oh, good, that good, one. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and there also must be a strict compliance with drug regimen and checkups. Uh, so essentially, yeah, what you expect is, right? Yeah. Like, it's almost like, yeah, you don't have, you have the a good life that, otherwise. Like, and you the only one meds. that kind of surprises me is like the acute one is more likely to go away than the not. But even that's kind of like, yeah, okay, I can see that. Yeah, because I, I guess in that case, because how I think of it is it's like you had just one ab- really stressful abnormal mm-hmm. thing happen in your life that caused a psychotic break. So as soon as the stressor's gone, it kind of fixes itself. Yeah, that, that's how I kind of think of it. Um, so suicide is unfortunately common in about 5 to 10% of people diagnosed with this. Um, diabetes is also common with hmm. schizophrenia, along with cardiovascular problems and certain carcinogenic processes. might have something to do with the slightly higher rate of smoking with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they generally have poor hygiene, which could then relate back to things like diabetes and other uh, cardiovascular problems. If you're not taking care of yourself, other stuff can be affected. So just overall, a key to good treatments do include a compliance to drug uh, regimens to control symptoms and prevent relapse. For multiple reasons, it is really hard for people with schizophrenia to follow that. It is important to inform patients of their their difficulties that they will face with their diagnosis and helping them modify their expectations. Fortunately, definitely for one-third of these people, is their life is not going to continue on as normal, and it's important to make sure they know that. Um, and also, do not mix other drugs when you're on when, when you're on schizophrenia. When, you when, have... you're on, <laughs> when you're on the schizophrenia, don't be mixing those other drugs yeah, in because that's so bad for you. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> but in bold words, do not mix. Yeah. Um, so, so warning signs of a relapse include behavioral changes, irritability or aggressiveness, insomnia, difficulty concentrating, feelings of despair um, or depression, and something called blocking attitude, which I'm assuming is like isolating behavior. Maybe, like not wanting to interact. Yeah. Um, and so my final section is, okay, look, I know this is, you should probably point this out at the beginning, we are not... Any, we're not professional doctors. Oh, God, no. We're not here to diagnose anyone. Oh, my God, no. This is such um, an informal podcast. Yeah, this is informal. <laughs> this is just educational th- thinking stuff. It's more like... Can um, start what, a conversation. What do they call it? Like, um, educational adjacent. Yeah, it's that's like, what we are. not really. Like, like <laughs> we have compiled information. Like, obviously, I use some, you know, pretty um, reputable sources. Yeah, I mean, but... we we have a background that lets us read reputable yeah. sources and understand them, but mm-hmm. we are not reputable sources. Yeah, no, no, we are not reputable <laughs> sources. Um, so, yeah, we cannot help anyone. Right. So, as well say, you know, check out your local NANI organization if you want to, like... Because they, they have great resources, or hell, if you think you have problems like this, go see a therapist. Don't right. don't ask us. Um, but I did find a list that said if you know someone who is suffering from schizophrenia, um, or you think they might be suffering, some of the important things to do um, is to observe their behavior. If you sus- if you suspect they have schizophrenia, because early intervention is key. Mm-hmm. It is really important to learn about the disease because there is a lot of sensationalized media, a lot of movies that cover it. This is, uh, unfortunately, a mental illness, like I said, is easy to demonize and make yeah. it seem scary and bad, but it is, so it is really important to understand this mental illness. Right. Talk to a medical professional. We are not medical professionals. No. This, is, this is, if anything, a jumping off point, but not, not a good source. Um, it, do avoid conflict situations. 
So stressful situations are counterproductive to their treatment. So this means also don't be overprotective about them, but also don't be passive. Yeah. So it is important to motivate this person, uh, encourage them to take their meds and go to their appointments. Lack of awareness is common in schizophrenia and negative symptoms make it hard to do things. So they will need yeah. some extra motivation. And that's one way you can support them. And of course, try to make an effort to understand uh, schizophrenia can be a very scary disease if you don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do try to become familiar with this person's behavior and without reproach or ridicule. They're not to blame. It's a horrible thing to have to suffer from. So right. it's really important to, I mean, know your own limits, but try to be understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't agree or disagree with their thinking. Don't try to stick three Jesus people in a room <laughs> and hope it'll solve the problem. Um, just simply say you understand how they feel and that you want to help. Uh, and then you can contact their doctor or emergency services if something they're saying or doing is like really bad. Mm -hmm. And then finally, it is important to accept the illness. Um, there is treatment, not necessarily a cure for schizophrenia. Um, but this is something that can be managed if it's caught early on enough and is given the proper medical attention have realistic expectations of yourself and for the person suffering. Mm-hmm. And so that is the note I will end it on. Mm-hmm. Be nice to people with mental illnesses. They are struggling. Yeah. High five, man. Ooh. That was a good segment. Thank I you. I did a great job. Thank you. I have, I was, schizophrenia was, because I was always, like, I think what drew me to psychology was things like mental illnesses, and schizophrenia was always the real interesting ones for me. Mm-hmm. I think to some of the psychosis stuff where, like, your reality kind of bends is just yeah. always been fascinating. But I also have a lot of empathy for people who suffer from this stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, of course. I have family members, right. so, <laughs> yeah. you know. All right, so Laura's about to. Oof. It's going to get depressing up in here. Okay, so um, I'm going to cover one case um, that's extremely, and now they're both extremely depressing. Let me just get into it. So my main source for my first story is madness and genetic determinism is mental illness in our genes, question mark, by... uh, P.D. Hahn, and I believe it was Patrick Hahn, but I That's fine. Don't is, is this like an actual scholarly article? It is. Oh, snap. We can fancy up in here. And I used it for both of my cases. Oh, shit. It's very convenient. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, I must do a disclaimer. So, my disclaimer is that the professor who wrote this is actually a biology professor, and I didn't he seems to do a lot of writing on mental health, but uh-huh. I couldn't find if, like, he was, like, a master's of men- uh, anything in, like, mental health counseling or anything. So I don't really know what his particular background is in this, and his main point of this book was actually about the genetic side of it. Makes and sense. he was trying to disprove that there is a genetic connection oh. between oh. mental illness um, and your genes. So, um... Obviously, this is a very controversial area, mm-hmm. and I am not in agreement with him, nor disagreement. I just, I know it's heavily, you know, the nature versus nurture thing is very heavily contested in the, like, both medical mm-hmm. and like psycho- psychological fights fields. fights happening oh over this shit. Oh my god, so, so dramatic. <laughs> 
I'm not getting into I'm drama not, queens. Yes, I'm. I'm really not going to get into that. That mm-hmm. is his viewpoint. Yeah. Um, and again, it's a theory, and all of these are theory. Nobody really knows what's going on. Yeah. So let's just move past that. I just wanted to start with that disclaimer because I believe that it did, you know, heavily, uh, somewhat bias the article that I read. Uh-huh. But it still gave good, like, factual information that went, you know, that didn't ha- necessarily have to do with his thesis. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm just going to cover I, the facts. I think it's interesting to cover it, too, because there it's, is such a heavy emphasis on the pain, gene- like, genetics like That's like the new hot mentals. thing. So yeah. to be like, well, actually, I don't think that is kind of a, yeah, it's yeah. an interesting hot take. take. Yeah, hot <laughs> take. So, okay, we're going to start with the story of the Gainan sisters. At least that's how I think it's pronounced. Gainan. It's not their real last name, so I don't feel too bad. Ooh, a correction on our Family Annihilators episode. I pronounced um, one of the victims' names as Shannon, which I had pronounced because it was spelled a different way, but okay. I didn't think about it. I was just like, oh, it's probably Shannon. Uh-huh. It's it's Shannon, and oh. I mispronounced that. So I'm sorry. Whoops. Anyway. <laughs> I don't blame you because Back, I yeah. don't think I've ever heard the pronunciation of that name. Like it, it even had like a little apostrophe oh. and everything, but I was just kind of like Shannon. <laughs> anyway, so it's very Sh- white of you, Shannon. She's white. I didn't. Whoa. Okay, now you're being that's the, true. The biased one here. <laughs> All right, so let's move on. Um, yes, Shannon or. Shannon. I guess it's also very white spelling your normal name. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, that is. So I take that back. It's a very white thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so we're going to talk about the Gainan sisters. Or Gainan. Gainan. I don't know. Anyway. Moving on. (laughs) um, We're going to start with the history of their parents. And it's going to be very depressing, and their history is just as bad. So, we're getting into it. All right. Poor Gertrude, the mother, had a very rough start in her life with an extremely sexist father who basically thought that she should just stay at the house and work and do chores and not get an education, and he didn't allow her to go to school. So, it's like the 50s? Um, This was in the 20s. Okay. Or 1910s, 1920s. more sense then. Yeah. Um, so he's like, women don't need to get an education, so you're going to stay home and you're not going to go to school. But she was eventually able to, like, um, run away to her grandmother's house, and um, her dad threatened to kill her. But she um, was like, I don't know. He he came over with a shotgun and was like, I'm going to kill you if you don't come back home. And she was just like, no. And then um, he was like, well, if you ever come back, I'm going to shoot you. Jesus. So, okay. yeah, fun start. Great um, dad. Great, uh-huh. great dad. So she was, when she moved in with her grandmother, she was able to start going to school. And she eventually did get her high school diploma and everything, which is awesome for her. But unfortunately, Henry came along, who was a fucking horrible asshole (laughs) and um i'm just going to um quote from the book because i think it sums it up perfectly how fucked up their relationship Mm -hmm. was because like she knew henry 
but was not interested in him. Like, I think they had dated for a while, and she was just like, ew, no, you're like my dad, gross, get away. This is what happened. Henry asked Gertrude to marry him. She refused, and first he threatened to kill her. Then he threatened to kill himself, and um, then he took to his sick bed. Henry's family told Gertrude that if she didn't marry him, he would die of a broken heart. Boo-hoo. Let the bitch die. I know. Um, and save everyone oh, a world of oh, trouble. And the doctor she was seeing was like, um, okay, I'm just gonna keep the quote going. Dr. Arlington counseled Gertrude that she was being unfair to Henry, and at last she relented and agreed to get married. At the time, Gertrude had $8,000 in the bank, while Henry had a total of $80 to his name. Just to give you a perfect little picture of how fucked up this story starts. I hate him. I hate everything. I hate the doctor. I hate all of the I men so far. all of the men in Gertrude's life. She did not deserve doctor this. Doctor sucks. Henry sucks. Her, Her dad, dad sucks. sucks. Awful. I wrote in big parentheses, capital words, fuck men, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um... And there were, like, so many worse quotes that th- that came directly from, like, Henry and the doctor. I just don't feel like repeating this, but just think of every sexist thing you could say about Crammed a woman. Crammed into one man. Yes. And it, into, yeah, these various how does, men. How does that much sexism fit in one person? <laughs> so, um, Gertrude eventually became pregnant. And it said that the reason she wanted a baby was to have somebody to love. And it's like, I'll love you, Gertrude. <laughs> like, I, I can't. Because she had so much love, but, like, so she, her husband was awful. She didn't love him. And she, he didn't, ex, like, accept love in a way that was emotionally satisfying for her. He just wanted a wife. He just, yeah. That's... Fucking awful. I, oh my god. Oh my god. I can't even tell you what he referred to her as because it just is awful. Worse anyway. than the B word? Oh, it was like that, but oh. like, uh, okay, I'll, I guess I'll just tell yeah, you. Yeah, you, you got my so, curiosity now. Gertrude became pregnant. It turned out she was going to have quadruplets. Oh my god. Which is crazy. And Henry said, oh, quadruplets they're gonna think my wife's some sort of bitch dog and the doctor said that's redundant and the doctor said quadruplets but you're a white woman what yeah i don't what stop i I, let's talk okay cool i don't know it's fucked up it is i mean i don't even understand the implications of that racism, but what? Oh, I I won't explain them you to you. You don't have to. I don't think I want to know. I, let's just. Let's I want to be ignorant and be like, <laughs> no, we love all people. What? Do you, that's so mean to say. I just, so. Yeah. Okay. So as you can see, Gertrude was lacking a lot of love in her life, but unfortunately, four babies is a very big package to deal with, and she ended up not being able to really develop a close emotional bond with them. Mm. And she instead, um, because she's having to feed four mouths yeah, at the yeah. same time, I get it. clean four diapers, do all of this work by herself, because you know Henry's not doing a fucking Fuck no. thing. And so, Useless piece of shit. Yeah. Um, so she was basically, it, it related her um, 
care to like factory work like um she was just having to basically be on the clock doing yeah. this doing that. it was more robotic it yeah wasn't yeah because you feed one you feed the next the next next diaper diaper yeah okay burp 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 yeah and, yeah so god damn it she just wanted one i know and okay so she did try to leave henry but um, four kids uh yeah he she tried to divorce him but you know he threatened to kill her and he had already been abusive like he had already started to become very physically abusive Uh not only to her but their young children like eight month old daughters he knocked their heads together once because they wouldn't stop crying oh Oh my god yeah and also it's like what the 1920s 1930s getting divorced 1930s when the quadruplets were born yeah so first off Great depression, terrible time yeah. to be a single woman with four kids. Also, I know, getting but... into divorce at that time was incredibly hard. Like, the fact that she even tried is Oh, and incredible. I just want to, like, put this out there. He was totally, like, most likely a murderer also uh-huh. because he was having multiple affairs with other women, and it's more than likely that he murdered at least one of those women's, like, other lovers. So, there you go. Oh, and he was the constable of his town and got elected by a landslide just because he was the dad of four quadruplet girls. Yeah, and he that... was completely and totally unqualified for the job. What else is new? I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nothing. It's all been the same forever. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, she tried to leave. He threatened to kill her. He'd already once shot at her with a shotgun, so it wasn't a stretch. She she had a lot of reasons to be afraid mm-hmm. of actually doing leaving. Yeah. So, now let's get to the girls. The girls were given the um, nickname, or I guess, uh, what is it, pseudonym? No. Um, is it pseudonym? Pseudonym, pseudonym. like a, a Like alias? a fake name, yeah, an alias of um, Nora, Iris, Myra, and Hester. Nim. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. So. <laughs> they, I do like those names, too. I do, too. I think they're very, I, I like those names. Anyway. Um. I also like the name Nora because I think it's like the cool version of my name. Did I already talk about this? I feel like I talked about this to you recently. I don't think so. Uh, I remember you once mentioned to me that you liked the name Nora. Yeah, I think it's like the cool version of my name. And so when people call, like I've been called Nora by accident because people mishear Laura. Yeah. And I'm always like, yeah, yeah, that's my name. It's it's fine. It's It's fine. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, so the girls grew up socially, um, withdrawn and very isolated because they just didn't know how to socially interact like their mom was just a again like kind of like a factory worker towards them like yeah very regimented and um you know procedural and not a lot of love and they didn't really have anyone else to play with and their dad was such a such a fucking abuser asshole that they weren't allowed to play with them, you know, like each other, like normal kids at yeah. at their home. Like make if too they, much noise and they had to silently, s- they, they yeah, they had to silently sit in rocking chairs every time he came home, or else he would beat them. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. So anyway, um, yeah. So they all had average to above average IQs, but were socially very stunted. Yeah. Um. And the girls started displaying atypical behaviors, is how I put it. Um, Hester was a habitual masturbator, like in public places. Oh, in her, yeah, in her bed um, with her sister. 
and other, yeah, I guess I should have trigger warning incest a little bit. Huh. Um, just not normal yeah. behaviors. It's okay to experiment, but this is a bit much. It's too much. And, um, and it was the 1940s at this point. Um, they surgically cast, no, not castrated. That's the wrong word. Um, they circumcised her. Yeah, don't think about it. It's bothering me too when I was reading about it. And apparently she broke the stitches because it didn't stop her. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's been haunting me ever since I read it. <laughs> You're like, I have to tell somebody. <laughs> I'm, cl- I'm clutching my vagina. <laughs> I mean, not my vagina, but you know. like <laughs> Gotta protect the goods. Anyway, okay. Yeah, I don't like that. Gross. All right, so, um, yeah, and so that was one of the disturbing behaviors. Um, you know, uh, I think I can't remember. I think it was Iris or Nora started doing sexual acts on boys in like a school closet, just uh-huh. a way of acting out or just definitely poor behaviors. And considering their father started to. I wouldn't, it was definitely sexual abuse. I was waiting for that. It wasn't um, molestation. It was like, I guess he, yeah, I guess there was a little bit of like boob touching, butt touching. So there was a little bit of groping involved, which yeah, that's sexual molestation for sure. But I mean, a lot of it was horrible comments things you should never say about any woman, much less your own daughter. Yeah. And um watching them change their sanitary pads, not letting them close the bathroom door. Just like literally the worst things ever. So it's no wonder they acted out in these ways. Okay. Um I don't like any of this. No, it's horrible. Is it, it just gonna keep getting worse? Yep. Cool. So um, there were many other ways they were punished, and I'm just not going to go into it. Let's not. Um, I already asked that question about the thing one time, and I'm done. Yep. Mm-hmm. I realized my mistake. We're done here. I don't even know. So um, in their late high school years, uh, the one of the girls in particular, Iris and Hester, I think both of them started showing pretty severe mental disturbances. Um yeah. And yeah. Um, I don't know how you'd get out of that situation un- unscathed. Like, yeah. And they were not only sexually abused by their father, but also by other men of their community. Woo! So that's even f- more fun. And yeah. so, yeah, this, and then their symptoms started to get worse. The psychotic systems, the disturbed thoughts, the, you know, obviously they had already shown atypical behaviors. Um, and uh, the doctors weren't really helping. So the mom eventually convinced the doctor that they needed to see more specialists and so he set it up for them to go be studied at NIM. And so that's when they were finally put into touch with those resources. So in um they were studied by NIM for uh about eight years in the nineteen fifties, so almost a whole decade, and their progress was tracked into the nineteen eighties and there was like so I think like the first big report that came out about them was in the 1960s, but then um, other s- 
subsequent reports and like updates on their situation were done in like the 1980s. Okay. Um, all of the sisters were diagnosed with schizophrenia by um, the time they're in their mid to late 20s. Um, and like I had mentioned earlier about that whole, you were talking about the, what was it rule? The third rule of thirds. thirds yeah, rule of thirds. Um, so Myra went on to be mostly functioning. She got married. She was able to hold down a job after she had received treatment from That's incredibly Miam. impressive. It really is. And um, she um, has actually published memoirs about her experience and her sister's lives mm. using her real name. So do I want to read that, though. There's a part of me that kind of does, but also oh, doesn't. So sad. Yeah. Like. Um, I just gave you a sneak peek. So. It's like one thing to get like a biography of the situation, but to actually hear from the victim oh, what yeah. has happened. Yeah. That's and a she's lot. written like seven books, so there's a lot in there. I mean, also, it's, it's also, I'm just going to say it's incredible that she was willing to write about that. What she yeah. went through was horrible. What she and her sisters dealt with is atrocious. And yeah. she was like, I'm married now, and I wrote a book about it. It's like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, um, Nora and Iris were not as better, not as well off, like, they were both able to get jobs at certain points and work as secretaries and do, I think one of them was a beautician for a while, but um, uh, none of them, and after Myra passed away, I think Nora kind of took over as, like, the head of the sisters, but uh-huh. um, they still struggled with the schizophrenic symptoms well into their adulthood, and were in and out of hospitalization periods. Um, But Hester definitely suffered the worst. Um, She never really found that stable footing and just kind of remained hospitalized for much of her life. Um, And this is where we kind of get into that nature versus nurture thing is uh, Myra was able to distance herself from her father and she received the like less of his abuse uh-huh. whereas Hester received almost the most of it and oh, kind okay. of suffered the brunt yeah of the abuse so it's heavily suggested that that's one of like the reasons maybe hers uh-huh. ended up being so horrible well to to combine the right. nature and nurture is there's a model in mental illness known as the stress dialysis model you've heard of it yeah, I, think I think so yeah where basically it says that Everyone has essentially like, um, what's the word? basically everyone could potentially get some sort of mental illness. Like right. we all have that predisposition and, but the level at which the stress occurs, yeah, the and... stress, like the level of the stress that occurs depends on whether or not you reach that limit right. to where that makes sense. the mental illness manifests. So right. in this case, it's like. Maybe they all have the same like like starting stress, level yeah but stress then... level but then because Hester got the worst of the brunt that's why her psychosis was worse her schizophrenia right. was the worst right. so we're combining genetics and environment yeah together and the NIM did I did find like um one of the res, uh, reports from like the 1980s by NIM um kind of discussing the results and it did say that like there had been, like, a history of schizophrenia in the family on the dad's side. Uh-huh. So, I, yeah, I don't really know. Nature versus nurture, again, is probably a combination of yeah. the two. Um, I found that, what is it, the uh, scientific answer to things is often, well, it depends. Right. <laughs> Let me talk about the six different things. 
So, yeah, I guess that was just kind of what I was going to end on is, yeah. is that we don't really know and it's hard to tell and it probably lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I mean, in this case, you can definitely tell that nurturing was did play a, a huge, huge factor. Role. Yeah, huge. yeah, it was a huge role. I can't imagine anyone going through that and not developing some form yeah. of mental illness. I would say it almost sounds like, yeah, like these four girls had the predisposition on their dad's side to develop like a mental illness, mm-hmm. especially schizophrenia, because of the stressful environment they were raised up in, is it manifested? Right. If who knows if they had been raised in a, like if he had been a great father and the mom felt more supported and they were able to raise four kids together, right. who knows how it would have turned out. Yeah. Um, oh, I just want to say Henry died kind of young of cirrhosis of the liver. So fuck that guy. The bitch is dead. Woo. Anyway. Um, He's definitely dead now. Oh yeah. But, <laughs> anyway, but when I read, sooner. it was like reading a story. And when I read that he died, I was happy. Finally, <laughs> like, yeah. God. Oh, I thought he was never gonna die. Yeah, seriously. Okay, so now we get into the. I wouldn't say it's hard to equate how sad people's stories are, and stories can be sad in different ways. Uh huh. This one isn't as like shock factor horrific okay but it is also very sad cool. and um a little concerning so it would have been nice if we could have ended on the three jesus guys but i i forgot it's okay i forgot about okay. them until we started talking so now we're going to talk about Janie Schofield, who is um was pretty much the person i always wanted to cover for this case but i uncovered a lot more than i was expecting this is the rabbit hole case you told me about. Yes, this is the one that took me down a path I was not expecting to go. And then Laura was up like three hours later than she <laughs> intended. <laughs> yep. So um, I first heard about uh, her name. Her full name is January Schofield, but she goes by Janie. Um, Cute. Yeah. Um, I first heard about her in my child psych and development ca- class, um, and she we we kind of discussed her in like the childhood schizophrenia um lecture but like childhood schizophrenia is incredibly rare so yeah. that's why we talked about her is that it was so rare that there was this child with schizophrenia there's so few cases out there yeah and um i don't really remember i think my my professor had shown some um she had been a little bit questioned. She had questioned Janie's uh, diagnosis a little bit, if I remember correctly, but had kind of taught the class as if we were to assume that Janie had schizophrenia. Uh-huh. So I don't know what her personal opinion was of the case, but um, we just kind of looked at her as a model of yeah. childhood schizophrenia. I mean, it's probably because she's not like she, I don't know. If she did counseling or professor at the same time that she taught. Um, she was doing studies mostly. Okay. But... Yeah, she may not have felt totally qualified to. Yeah. In, in that realm, um, but I think as not I think I also may be like misremembering the class because okay. I feel like my professor probably was showing this as an example of misdiagnosis. Oh, okay. So, okay. I was not aware of that until I started doing the research, and I was like, oh, oh, that's what... like, <laughs> so, oh, I misunderstood all of yeah, what you said or like, <laughs> or maybe she was trying to be diplomatic about it uh-huh. because a lot of the evidence more pointing towards misdiagnosis has come to light very recently oh, okay so uh like within the last co- like year or so um so let's so after you took that class yes <laughs> so let's get into it Woo. 
Janie Schofield was first um, kind of discovered around 2009. She was seven years old, and her parents put YouTube videos of her up uh, and like made a, like a little mini documentary about my kid with schizophrenia because it's so rare. Hmm. And they were just kind of like, and they had wanted to be filmmakers, these parents at a at one point. And so I feel like this was kind of a project of theirs to make this documentary about Janny. Yeah. So Janny became kind of like an overnight celebrity. She was invited on Dr. Phil and Oprah and all those like daytime shows. And I already have my suspicions. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Starting early. And she was described as being one of the youngest children ever diagnosed with schizophrenia at the age of seven. So, she told the adults around her about her many imaginary friends, such as Wednesday the Rat, 400 the Cat, a girl named 24 Hours, and they all lived in the wonderful land of Canalini, which um, she told Oprah is, quote, between my world and your world. So. Even more interesting. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, you don't even live here. Okay. Yeah. Um, she was obviously a very, like, bright young girl. I think they, you know, in one, some IQ tests, and we all know that IQ tests are kind of meh. Yeah. But um, she did test, like, way above average in, like, the 150 range. Shit. So, yeah, like, 140, 150. Yeah, even with your, your kind of skepticism towards IQ, can probably still say she's very bright. Yeah, very, very smart bright child. Um, but she was delayed in a lot of other areas, like toilet training. Like she wasn't toilet trained until she was almost five years old. So, um, her parent and she tended to kind of have very violent outbursts. So biting, screaming, scratching, um, for seemingly no reason or for very little, like upsets. And then she would become perfectly calm the next minute uh, once she was over it, you know? Yeah. And she just seemed to have a lot of behavioral problems. So um, her parents gave birth to a little boy named Bodhi when she was, I think, five. So he's a few years younger than her. And um, he, that was, like, one of her triggers is, like, him crying. And at one – like, during one particularly bad episode, he started crying and she attempted to kill him with, like, or at least harm him. She was, like, throwing objects and trying to get at him, and the parents were, like, having to physically restrain her, and she was biting, kicking, scratching, and all that good stuff. Cool. Yeah. I've I've actually heard worse from someone I knew about, like, sibling mm. stuff, is he had an older sister, and when he was a baby, she didn't like him at all, so she <laughs> buried him in the backyard. Great. <laughs> so this, I'm like... This is kind of normal. Yeah, I'm like, this actually could be totally normal child behavior. It's terrible, but sometimes normal. I also today watched a video where a woman gave birth, and she had, like, a little boy, and he just went, my sissy. Oh, God. It was so cute. That is disturbing, though. Why would you give birth in front of you? I guess. No, no, no. I mean, like, no, no, no. I mean, like, it was mom was, the baby was cleaned up sort of thing. Like, she just gave birth, though, because it was, like, a new infant. I thought it was, like, she's giving birth, and he's looking into her opening vagina and saying, my Like, the whole family was in the room. Like, I think it was, like, the grandfather or something was holding, like, the the little girl. And the little boy was on his mom's lap. And when, like, the grandfather brought the little girl over, he was just went, my sissy. And he, like, was, like, he just put his hands up. He's like, give me that baby. I'm like, kid, you're, like, three. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, 
So, of course, they're all helping him support the child. But, yeah, it was really cute. He was so excited. He kissed her on the forehead. It was so cute. Well, that won't last. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Um, But, yeah, so she, after this episode, they were like, we need help. And so they went to, I think, a family psychiatrist, and then he referred them to a different psychiatrist who ended up diagnosing Janny with schizophrenia. Thus, her journey as a famous person began. This is actually the child case that I had heard about. Yeah, this, it's, it's incredibly famous. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, of course, I I heard about it, like, probably a couple years after it, like, because you said 2009 was when they started posting yeah. YouTube videos. Yeah, so, like, a couple years after, right. after that. So, yes, she was diagnosed with schizophrenia. But let's all take in a deep breath and give a big However, <laughs> however, um, Janie's parents were pretty much not great at being parents, and I usually do not pass that judgment because I'm not a parent, uh-huh. and in my child psych and development class, we just generally learned it's not a great idea to pass judgment upon people's different parenting styles because there are many different yeah. ways to parent, and they're not None are better than others, and they all have uh-huh. their pros and cons. But they're objectively terrible. But, and I only say that because in the most recent update, the children have been taken out of oh. their parents' care. So I feel more confident saying something's up. Something is wrong. Oh, gosh. Okay, so before I get into that. She's like a teen now, isn't yes. she? Yes. So before I get into that, um, yeah, so her Let's talk a little bit about why her parents are a bit problematic. One, they never set up boundaries with Jenny. Like, mm. any of her behavior, anything that she did, they never really did any sort of... I, I, I wouldn't say punishment, because I think, I don't think it's proper... T- I, I think punishment's kind of a problematic word. There were no word, boundaries. But there were no boundaries. There were no um, there's a, rules. Yeah, there's there a term no, for parents like that. Yeah, they were the opposite very, of authoritarian. Yes, I, yeah, I remember briefly learning about parenting style, but I have yeah. I don't remember what this kid one is can do called. whatever they want. They, Pretty much, they want something, they get it, sort of right. thing. Right. Yeah. And so her father was particularly indulgent and um, would play along with many of her fantasies. I'm going to stop here and reiterate fantasies, not hallucinations, because it is. Okay, well, this is not definitely the case. It is heavily suggested based on some of the facts that have come forward. That is most likely that um, all of or most of January's um, friends that her parents believed were hallucinations were actually just a pure figment of her imagination. Uh And um, especially among for a child so bright, it probably did feel very real. Yeah. And was very easy. I to, had an imaginary friend. Yeah. Like I think a lot of people. A lot do. of children do. And her parents were very indulgent in this creative side of hers, and played along with a lot of those quote unquote hallucinations. Uh-huh. But. Based on this, um, we can kind of say that they were not hallucinations, but in fact, fantasy. Because, for for example, at one point, um, she had a lot of cats. Like, there were mo- many cats she had, like imaginary cat friends. And at one point, the dad jokingly said that one of them was sitting on his head, and she looked up and laughed. 
like like she could see the cat sitting on his uh-huh. head, which you know to maybe the everyday observer is like, oh my god, she's saying things, but if you know how hallucinations actually work, is you can't control them. You, yeah. You, nobody else can dictate what is happening in that hallucination, and the hallucination does not follow if those expectations. Yeah. Um, hallucinations happen randomly. They are not controlled in any way. This scenario is playing. It's play acting. It's uh-huh. not really a hallucination. And I mean, also with a lot of hallucinations is that they follow reality. So yeah. I, I don't know what kind of cat she was picturing, but if we're talking like the Cheshire, Cheshire cat, cat from right. like the Alice in Wonderland, um, then it's like that would that would be more of a like pl- like play fantasy, right? Because the kid is making something up entirely, right? Um, so the way that um, and the way that her parents kind of indulge these fantasies probably is why she had so many of you know it was being encouraged yeah. it was being heavily encouraged and uh just to give you like a perfect um example of this is so um when they were seeing the doctors um the doctors were kind of like telling the parents hey you need to set proper boundaries because she was perfectly fine in the hospital she didn't have the same behavioral problems mm-hmm. she had at home and she was more well-behaved and more well-adjusted and showed less disturbed behaviors. So the doctor was reprimanding the parents, like, hey, you need to kind of set more boundaries at home because she was perfectly fine in the hospital, but then, you know, and wasn't showing the same sort of behavioral problems as she had been. Yeah. Um, and they were kind of discussing this, and the mom gets mad, and she's like, of course we've tried that. Of course we've tried disciplining her at home, but it never works. And this is a quote... Highly doubtful, ma'am. This is a quote from the father. No, we haven't. As soon as the violence started, we ran straight to a shrink. We never stood up to her. So he's just admitting, like, yeah, we never set boundaries. We never, uh, you know, did anything to kind of curb these behaviors. Uh We just kind of assumed they were abnormal and panicked when they occurred. Whereas, like, a lot of these behaviors are pretty normal for, like, a small child to have, yeah. you know, showing imaginary friends, you know, um, playing pretend, and having fits when you're upset. Like, oh, yeah, having trouble controlling normal. your emotions as a five-year-old. All of the emotions you have are so intense. Especially for very bright children. Like, yeah. there is a high correlation of these behavioral problems with very smart children, probably because they're smarter than they're able to, like... Really deal with? Process, yeah, yeah. and, you know, like... and. Like, that's why the terrible twos are so terrible is because your toddler is very intelligent, but they're having, they, they haven't figured out the speech thing yet. Uh-huh. So they get very frustrated, and that's why they have a lot of upset and a lot of, yeah. like, horrible And no one's tantrums. taught them how to control their emotions. Yeah, they just no. come and they happen. They're like, what the fuck? Exactly. But, like, whatever a two-year-old thinks. So, yeah, it's not looking good for the show fields. Um, also, uh, the... Okay, so this was from the author of that Madness and Genetic Determinism book. Um, Mm -hmm. He also pointed out that a lot of her symptoms, like um, extreme agitation, um, 
I think there were some other things, drooling or something. There were just like these various behaviors that the parents kind of pointed to to be like, see, my child is mentally ill, uh-huh. are actually side effects of toxic doses of the antipsychotics they were on. Oh. So it's very possible that some of these quote unquote symptoms were mere side effects of the drugs that they were taking that they didn't need Ooh. necessarily. That's bad. Yeah. So, and of course, I can't, I'm not an expert, I can't say whether or not these kids had, um, both Bodhi and, um, Jenny, I can't say what their diagnoses are or anything, but I'm just reiterating what some experts have said about their cases that I have read online. Um, uh, I should mention another source that I used was, um, a woman who went by K.M. Brown, She's a retired psychotherapist who reviewed um, the novel written by the father, January 1st, A Child's Ascent into Madness and Her Father Struggled to Save Her. Um, the mother also read wrote a book, but I don't, I, and I think this reviewer like kind of briefly mentioned it, but yeah, she just kind of took like an unbiased view, but based on the facts from this book mm-hmm. and kind of said, um, not necessarily schizophrenia, like, and she wasn't convinced that Danny suffered any sort of hallucinations, um, which was one of the criteria that she was diagnosed under. Yeah. Um, okay. So to give another example of how her parents kind of indulged her, um, misbehaving was she was taken to a specialist. I I believe it was like a neurologist or something, but when January was called back, they called her January instead of Janny, uh-huh. and she became so enraged that she destroyed part of the office and even damaged some very expensive equipment, and when they were, like, kicked out, like, don't come back here, like, until you can control your kid, like, uh-huh. um, the mother says to Janny, you're extremely smart and people just don't appreciate it. So absolutely no boundaries, yeah. absolutely no sort of... That, that behavior deserves a punishment. <laughs> right, yeah. And um, so it's just like, was she mentally ill or did she just not know how to socially interact because she was not given proper tools? Yeah. You know? And yeah. so, um, yeah, I don't really want to go super in-depth on the brother, but the mom is has also called him schizophrenic Mm. and apparently searched for doctors which anytime a parent is searching for doctors (laughs) that means they're probably wrong and like yeah this is a wildly accepted diagnosis of schizophrenia not with a child but yeah it just doesn't look good when you're like this one doesn't agree with me I'll go find another one yeah and she went up to over 50 doctors trying to get one to prescribe her kid a very toxic antipsychotic called clozapine which yes that's one of the class mm-hmm. for schizophrenia i think and it's it's very it can be very damaging yeah. there are a lot of side effects and it's kind of a last resort uh-huh especially for a kid and she finally found a doctor Oof. to uh, give you know prescribe this to her kid and he had a horrible side effect of like a weakened immune system and he had to be taken off it and and it wasn't making him better that's the other thing is like you're searching for all these drugs you're giving these drugs to your kids that is probably hurting them more than anything because yeah. a lot of these drugs have very horrific side effects. Yeah. And um, you're pointing to the behaviors that come with the drugs as, like, proof that the mental illness is there when it's mm-hmm. probably just side effects of the drugs. Yeah. And if the drugs 
are giving them these symptoms, why would you continue taking the drugs? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me, like, what her thinking is. And I feel a little bit of a throwback, isn't it? I know. Trousers by proxy. Yes. And the dad claims that the mom suffers from that, but the dad is just as problematic. So I don't really like to listen to what he has to say, (laughs) but, um, it's all sorts of fucked up. Um, Oh, I should also mention that they obvi- the parents got a divorce pretty early on in Janie's childhood, and the dad's kind of out of the picture, so both children were living with the mother, Susan, um, for s- at least a decade since their divorce, and um, she was the one kind of controlling this search for doctors, search for people to diagnose her kids, and the dad was kind didn't believe that his son had schizophrenia Mm -hmm. i think he was pretty convinced that janny had it okay um but he believed his son had severe autism which like maybe maybe (laughs) who knows like nobody has been able to give a very like thorough diagnosis yeah so um the reason i feel so confident criticizing these parents (laughs) because usually i'm pretty like oh i don't know maybe um but in this case, I'm like, no, they fucked up, uh, is because as in July 2019, both children, Janie and Bodie, were taken out of the care of their mother, Susan, and are currently still in the care of the state. And um, some family friend sources leaked that the kids have improved greatly since being taken out of this, um, out of their mother's care and put into state care. Like, their schizophrenic symptoms have gone away. Um, in Bodie's case, I guess his, like, um, I don't really, it was honestly horrific to watch because this woman like videotaped her son having like episodes and like, it looks like he's catatonic, like it, he's yeah. not healthy and she's just videotaping him and like yelling at him about like, what medicines do you need? What medicine do you want, Bodhi? He's 11. And she's like, Oof. and get what kid would know what medicine you know it makes no sense and she would like film him like using the toilet and just like very i'm not the first person to say this but very exploitative yeah videos of her kids and so anyway so the family the quote-unquote family source leaked that the kids improved greatly since being taken out of her care um, but it was actually, it's actually, um, been revealed since then that it was most likely that was the dad trying to get around a gag order because they're, uh, they're both in court right now. Yeah. Like they're, you know, the custody of the kids is up for question, uh-huh. whether or not there needs to be criminal proceedings is up for question. So and he wants custody. I, I don't know if he wants custody because when he got a divorce, he didn't get, he didn't. Okay. I don't think he pursued it and uh-huh. he moved very far away. Uh-huh. So I don't really know. But he definitely wants to be, like, a voice in their life somehow. Yeah. I don't know. It's all sorts of weird and complicated. And kids. this family is a little... Yeah, I just feel really bad for the kids. And I really hope that they get... If they need a diagnosis, that they get the proper one. And if they're actually two kids that are just very socially stunted because their parents, like, kind of fucked them over by expecting them to have some sort of disorder. Yeah. Um then I hope that they get the help that they need and can, you know, eventually integrate into society properly. Yeah. But, um, I don't really know, again, what their diagnoses are. I don't know what the deal is, but I can just say that more than likely we'll have to wait to see what 
happens with the courts, and uh-huh. that hasn't been updated yet. So we'll just wait and see for the next update. All right. And this was an update for me because the last time I heard about the story was like 2012. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I just feel really bad for those kids. Yeah. Yeah. All the kids in these stories. I know. This was a bummer. I'm sorry. I should have done the three Jesuses, but I just... I, it's too late now. It's too late. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we're all properly bummed out... <laughs> rate! <laughs> review! Okay. Uh, no fun stories yeah. to share. Nope. Um... I mean, the three Jesuses will live on in our heart. Yeah, yeah. Look, guys, <laughs> look, that, look up. that up. So, anyway, I guess we're done here. <laughs> I know, right? Hey, everyone, go home and cry, yep. I guess. The world is terrible. Misdiagnoses happen all the time. Over, oh, my God. Overdrugging of kids is a big issue right now. and oh. That's not even startable on ADHD. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's that's America. Hosted by Laura Moyer and Emily Gangness. If you'd like to get into contact, our email is wetalkweirdscience at gmail.com, spelled W E T A L K W E I R D P S Y E N C E at gmail.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at weirdscience, spelled the same way. Cover art is by Morgan Kalka, whose Twitter handle is at player director. Music is by Josue Allen at J-O-S-U-E-A-L-N on Instagram. Thank you so much. Have a great day.